All right, you ready to do this? Yeah. Okay, I got an intro. Okay, sweet. Spoiler alert! Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. So what that might mean is that these microphones, which appear to be the same, mm-hmm. actually have uh, a variance. There might be a discrepancy right. in their in their amplification. Gotcha. We might have switched. And they might be switched. We might have parent, uh, not parent trapped, um, <laughs> Freaky Friday. Couple things about Parent Trap. Did you know that it is in fact based on not just a Disney movie from the 70s, mm-hmm. but an old German folk tale about two twin sisters separated at birth by the divorce of their parents who meet each other at summer camp and decide they're going to switch places so that they can meet the parent they never met before and ultimately try and get them back together. Really? So it's, it's still summer camp? Identical. It's the same story. <laughs> oh my God. That's kind of crazy. They, they changed nothing except for that one of the little girls. It's called like... Lottie and Lissy or something. Okay. Uh, one of the one of the little girls gets very sick, and that's the reason the parents have to meet up. Oh. But the kid doesn't die for whatever yeah. reason. Disney was like, you know what, we can do without the really sick kid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We don't need them to be an organ donor for the other one. Absolutely not. No. Huh. So uh, that's my first parent trap fact of the evening. Uh, second parent trap fact. Uh-huh. It is very prominently featured in the Nancy Myers Lindsay Lohan uh, parent trap that her birthday is October 11th. I mean, naturally, this is one of the ways that they confirm that they're, in fact, twin sisters. They have the same birthday, which is October 11th. Right. And that birthday gets said a number of times in the movie. Yeah. The woman who plays the housekeeper, the character's name is Chessie, which is a bizarre name. The woman who plays the housekeeper in that movie also had twin daughters on October 11th after the making of that film. Wow. Isn't that incredible? Do you think she kind of, like, pushed it a little bit. She willed it to happen. She was jumping on a trampoline on the 11th. <laughs> we gotta make it happen. Yeah. It'll make the fans so happy. <laughs> It'll give Colin something to talk about in his podcast. In 2021. <laughs> Way down the road. Yeah. Uh, wow. So that's a little miracle. Two good facts. I was hoping you were going to save the second one. I, th- I, I thought you were going to just give us a tease for the second one to come in like an hour or something. Oh, I should have I should have saved it. And the second one, I'll tell you about that in about 40 minutes. After the break. That would have been really good radio. See, you still have the instinct. Mm-hmm. You still got it in you. It's within me. Great movie. Still very watchable. Uh, major problems with the plot. Just a really, yeah. really oh, yeah. problematic, historically bad parenting in a film. Not great. No. Not great. And the fact that, like, do, does everyone at the camp acknowledge that the two look the same? Yes. Or is it just that? It's like high? a, it's kind of seen as this, like, spooky resemblance. Like, right. wow, it's so weird that they're, right. but but one of them has a British accent and they don't get along. They don't have anything in common. Right. And, yeah. Damn. They got up to some hijinks, didn't they? Um, what are you watching? I'm still watching Dave. Dave's kind of the big one. Okay. We finished White Lotus. I think yeah. that's our, main, our like main thing to talk about. Today. See, the thing is, part of me really wants to talk about White Lotus at length, and then another part of me knows it just wrapped like four days ago, and I don't oh, want to spoil gotcha. the ending because yeah, yeah, it's yeah. very spoilery. It is. But is there any? Are there any broad strokes we can say about the White Lotus overall and how we feel about it uh, tonally, and how we feel about the fact that it's been renewed for a second season with an all new cast in an all new location? Like, how cool will it be to see the White Lotus in Greece? Or yeah, Italy or something. Totally. Take that that little travel. Yeah. Every every year out to a different location. I, the thing that I will say about White Lotus is that tonally, I think it shifted a lot from what the first episode was. Yeah. To a point where you're like learning about these people, things that you, not even stuff that you weren't expecting to learn, but more like, oh, in society, they are this type of person. Oh, yeah. It's about the, societal roles for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting. It was like very 2021 in that way. Yeah, well, and that's that's a really good way to to look at it too because it's inherently a show about vacation when people want to escape their existence, right. who they actually are, yeah. but really who they actually are kind of creeps in. Uh, I, I don't know what we can say about it without spoiling. Um, it got sweeter, I think, as it went, went on. Like, while there's a yeah. darkness to the finale, of course there is, there's also kind of a tenderness to a lot of the characters' resolution. There was a lot of nuance with the characters that yeah. I really appreciated. I, I so loved that none of them went clearly... Well, some of them did, but, like, for the most part, by and large, it wasn't that one of them went 
clearly one way or the other. Like then, now they're evil, now they're good. I, I take it a step further. I th- you hesitated. I think nobody is all the way bad or all the way good in this show. Yeah. Like even Shane, who is the most overtly hateful person. Right. At the root of it, he is right. Yeah. Like the whole thing that we talked about this last week, right. like the whole thing that like sets him off. Yes, he's entitled. Yes, he's bratty. No, he can't let things go. He's a baby. He's a mama's boy, which is a real interesting two episode arc in the series. Yeah. Molly uh, Shannon. Uh, in a perfect appearance. role, by yeah. the way, Molly Shannon. When um, they both just start going, money, 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 <laughs> money, money, money. It was like, that should be a gift somewhere. But he's inherently right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the resolution, without giving anything away, the resolution with Rachel is ultimately that he doesn't want her to go, right? Like, it, yeah. it, 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 that's very sincere in him. He doesn't necessarily know how to behave like a better person, no. but he's... And I don't think he necessarily knew that he was choosing the right person either. No. No, it just he just picked yeah. a hottie. I don't know that we think that that marriage will last. No, it definitely won't <laughs> definitely last. Won't. No. But... um yeah, it was that was that was kind of a kind of an interesting ending. Jennifer Gen- Coolidge is another example of of what you're describing because like you can see coming from a block and a half away that she's going to let Belinda down. Yeah. But also you are happy for the whole for the Greg of it all, mm-hmm. even though that also has complications. Right. For her happiness. Yep, definitely. And and uh Quinn, I think we we grew to lo- I think Quinn was like the the yeah. fan favorite in Honestly, the entire show. Honestly, both both of the young Mossbackers, I think, the best stories in the show. I, Olivia, too. Like, it's very easy to just see her as, like, totally. a total sociopath. But there is a real tenderness to her final episode. She did. Uh, yeah. that. There's a lot of depth to that character. So, I think. because last very shallow at first. Absolutely. And she, I mean, she is very shallow. And Paula. And Paula, too. There's a lot to talk about with Paula, but I don't know yeah. if we can without no, no, spoiling that's... the show. Uh we talked about how we think that probably this actress who played Olivia is going to be around for the long haul. And mm-hmm. I think maybe uh, she's the next hundred episodes of what we did with Julia Garner, where a hundred episodes were like, yeah. who's this gal? She's so good. We got to learn her name. So I made a point of learning her name is Sydney Sweeney. She's wow. in Euphoria, which we talked about. She's in she's that in show. Euphoria. She's in every episode of Euphoria. Wow. Okay. Uh, she's in that show, Everything Sucks, which we yeah. watched. You failed to mention that she's in every episode of Sharp Objects, which you loved. <laughs> I know. I knew she was in something else. Like she's come up a million times. I think it's because she's not quite as like when Julia Garner is in a role, she's very much playing like uh, she's very much playing uh, like character that's super. Definitely Ruth is very big. Ruth yeah, Ruth is very big and and her character on the Americans was also very big. Okay. Like, so I just <clears throat> think that this other character, Sydney Sweeney, doesn't quite she almost kind of plays a similar role in most yeah. shows. I will say this one being the most nuanced. I haven't seen all of Euphoria, so I can't speak to that. But no. But everything sucks. You know, she was kinda like the cool girl bully. But I don't think she was the bully. I mean, she right. She was part of the cool crowd, but like she was the girl that like the other gal fell in love with, and she was really nice about it. Remember? In fact, I think they kind of started to date in that show. Yeah, I think so. But I, didn't she like start out with like a bit of like a, maybe an attitude? Weeb yeah, kind of tone. Definitely, she has she has the capacity to be a real like textbook mean girl in yeah. a scary way, right. and she was great. Uh, what about Armand? Uh, I love that guy. Murray Bennett is the actor's name. Murray Bennett. I mean, definitely the most commitment of any, all the ass play. Yeah. <laughs> and the pooping. Okay, I don't want to give it all away, but there's pooping. There's pooping. Yeah. Like you mentioned uh, Chekhov's knife, and I mentioned yeah. Chekhov's suitcase, where if there's a suitcase on stage, someone has to shit in it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Just such a good show. And uh, I didn't realize in, when we watched the first episode that it's a Mike White joint. Which is who? So Mike White is like, he's been around forever and ever. He was like, he wrote maybe more episodes than anybody of Dawson's Creek. Uh Oh. Um, And he wrote and created School of Rock, which is his real legacy. No way. Yeah. Um, So he's made it, he's made a money. Yeah. Um, And he's also just like been around for a lot of different things. And he's been like a very reliable procedural showrunner, writer, director, and actor. He's also Ned Schneebly in... In right. School of Rock. Yes. And he was in a season of Survivor. He was the runner up. Um, which is oh. so funny because I can remember a time in Survivor when uh, if they found out you were so much as a dentist, they'd send you home because you don't need the money. And Survivor is no longer about the money. 
it's about winning the title to the extent that like a $10 million movie star can be on Survivor and that's not a deal breaker. Can I say I remember that Schneebly was the writer of School of Rock and then something <clears throat> happened where I convinced myself that he very much was not. He I is. don't know what happened there. Yeah. He also wrote Nacho Libre. So he was yeah. he was paired with, with Jack, Jack Black for, for a or time. Um, yeah, his name is White. And he, I guess he kind of put his name in the title of the show, which is funny, although there's an interesting race dynamic, really, in why it's called yeah. White Lotus. I think you picked that up. Um, so he's so reliable that it's like some of the way into COVID in 2020 and HBO calls up Mike White and they're like, we have this kind of weird empty spot between this show, Mayor of Easttown, which everyone's going to be psyched about, and season three of Succession. Can you write something for us really fast and have it all set in one place? Like a six episode thing? Yeah, and have it all in one place so that we can quarantine and shoot it during quarantine. Wow. And Mike White was like, yep, it's going to be it. Hawaii. It's going to be based loosely on my experience on Survivor because it's a microcosm set in uh, right. in the tropics. But Oh, that's interesting. But yeah, I can do that. And they pulled it off. That's really cool. I love that. Yeah. Now I'm kind of like cheering for Mike White. Oh, big time. Yeah. Hopefully this ages well. Oh, boy. <laughs> Episode 300, here we come. Yeah, yeah. let's <laughs> review. Uh, I haven't watched a whole lot of other stuff, although I did finish Atypical. We talked about how I wasn't really digging it, and I didn't dig it all the way through. You didn't dig it all the way through. No. It, wasn't the, it definitely was not the best. I mean, I kind of think that they must have found out they were not getting a fifth season mid-production, because why else would they give Saheed cancer and and bring back Elsa's mom and give her dementia, but that only lasts two episodes and not really conclude. Good point. It was supposed to be back way earlier, too. I think they had to reshoot some stuff, and I think it might have been because of the character that played Casey. This is like a, yeah, an armchair theory. Yeah, maybe. That, that they were like, I, I don't really like the way that this character concludes. It was good. It definitely the latter half of the season is more about Casey than Sam. And Sam continues to not develop, and he's rude to Paige. And then they have a nice final scene at the Olive Garden, but that's the only time he's ever nice to her. Right. Yeah, it's true. Um, but you hated Paige. I didn't. I, I didn't. Uh, well, one thing about Paige, to my earlier point, is that early in the season when Sam decides he's going to go to Antarctica, she ruins his party by like going off about how ill-prepared and irresponsible he is. Yeah. And it really crosses the line. Yeah. And then in the next episode, she's kind of like, sorry about that. And he's like, that's okay. And I just kind of feel like, they had a guest writer that week, and then the next <laughs> the next week they're like, "Yeah, we're not doing that plot. Right. What, you, what keep, you did, keep that we don't have time for that." Yeah, fair enough. So, like, yeah, I found her hot and cold, like I found everybody, because I thought the show was mad inconsistent. Yeah, yeah, agree. But the actress is funny, and she had funny lines. The baked potato costume is funny. I kind of think that you would like Dave. I've seen. A Dave. I guess yeah. we probably did it on the pod. It's actually a little more deep than you would think. It's got a lot more heart mm -hmm. than you would think um, in its own kind of way. Like, I, I almost would, like, pair it with, like, uh, mm, I don't, you know, when, like, Louie had his show going? Yeah. Almost kind of like that. Or a Master of None kind of type thing. Yeah. It, yeah, it's it's a, it's like a pleasure to watch. Can you tell me something about uh, Lil Dicky? How come he does the elliptical motion when he raps? He always does it, He does he? this weird, like, trotting arm they thing. They should acknowledge that. It's not cool. Some of the guest stars on the show are, are kind of crazy. Like, there's yeah. an episode that I started watching last night where he's, like, matches on this, like, famous person dating site with Doja Cat. Okay. <laughs> and they're kind of, like, going through their, their parallel. Anyways, it's... Uh, yeah, that's a famous person. It's definitely a famous person. Yeah. Um, it's a good watch. I would urge, I would push you to watch that show. Where do you stand to the Bourne movies? Um, <clears throat> I don't think I've ever watched one of them more than once. Okay. Um, you know how I like love Mission Impossible and James Bond? Yeah. I'd never seen a Bourne movie. Huh. Which makes no sense. I think they're, I think they're good. You know what, what I don't like about it is the overall, which is kind of weird for me, what I remember from it. I don't like the overall kind of confusion and I don't like the sort of like dreary East European vibe. 
that's sort of true. That's through the whole. Yeah, thing. there is kind of kind of a tenet thing. Yeah, but like not wealth porn. It's not like glamorous. It's kind of no, gritty. no. He's driving like an '88, which I I'm sure I would like it now and appreciate it more. Actually, I he's think driving like that's... an '88 BMW, like stolen, just like trying to figure out who. He well, is. I think that's their whole objective is that why make this action series if there's already a guy who has all the gadgets and the cool cars right. why not have a guy who kind of has to macgyver it and like steal a motorcycle right and that's one thing i didn't know i mean i didn't know anything but i i didn't get that the inherent premise is that he doesn't even know who he is the right. born identity i could have put that together right. maybe and so that he really is having to like swiss army knife every little situation i also didn't know that he's constantly on the lamb that he's the um the, I don't want to say crook, but like he's he's the 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 guy running. He's running, but he doesn't really know outlaw. what he's running he's from. Outlaw, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Anyway, I watched the Born Identity, and I thought it was banging. Did yeah. And then I watched the first half of the Supremacy last night. Nice. Yeah. Have you watched um, Stillwater? No. And do I want to? I don't know. He's really really proud of that movie. Yeah, he's definitely done the press tour. He's doing the press tour. He's almost getting canceled quickly. Yeah, he's, I uh, know. <laughs> He'll be fine. I think so too. I think overall it was like a positive, like what he was saying was like a positive move, but I think people were just kind of like zoning in on like, wow, you were using but this a is not, slur a couple years ago. Right, and this <laughs> is not the first time Matt Damon has said stuff in the name of progress Right, that like ultimately is uh, problematic and he didn't have to say anything at all. Yeah. So like when he was talking about like the Me Too era first getting like a lot of amplification in 2018 or whatever. He was saying some of the right things and some really wrong things. And you're just like, Matt, shut up. Go home. Yeah, what are you doing, good. bud? Yeah. Like we will give you the benefit yeah. of the doubt for a long time, but also shut up and go home. Don't, don't. Yeah. But I think the thing is he's so good at like we were watching the hot ones with him on it. Did you see that? Yeah, of course. And we were like, did he have a couple beers before this? Or is he just like the most likable guy ever? Like, Absolutely. He's like, let's just get into the stories. I l like he'll he'll say things like, No, no, you're driving. Like, let's do it your way. Yep. Like like whatever. That's funny. You I also do. fixated on you're driving. You're driving. Yeah. yeah. He's like, he was very much like he was like, Do you want us to just like eat this wing so we can quickly gas through like the next <laughs> No, no. You're driving. Let's do what what you do. You're right. He's and he kept being like, My kids are gonna love this so much. And he told great stories. Very sincere, very affable. And maybe that's what allows him to get away with the odd gaffe, is that his sincerity is real. He has a quality where you believe he's mm -hmm. probably a pretty decent guy at the end of the day. Doesn't right. It doesn't feel like a pretense. Yeah, I, I would say there is space for Damon to kind of be the next Hanks. Okay. Like, like he's kind of, at this point, a talented everyman actor he can do it all he proved that a long time ago and he's got that sort of charisma that kind of like you know he, he didn't start out he's not like he's a he was a rich guy starting out he kind of no. like you know worked his way up yep. had his own kind of interesting path has his own like he's done the act well actually i wouldn't even say that like tom hanks hasn't done he's done war movies but he hasn't really done action movies just da vinci code yeah 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 right um so I actually think that Damon, at the end of his career, <laughs> really diverse. There, there's a case to be made that he'll have like a like a cooler portfolio. Really diverse, and I, I guess I need to see this Stillwater to know what his what he's capable of as a character actor these days. Mm -hmm. Because the performance I always go back to when I consider like how truly nuanced and spectacular he has is as an actor is uh, the talented Mr. Ripley, which I haven't seen. Oh, bud. Gotta watch it. It's such a gotta watch. Really? Absolutely. I also haven't seen uh, the Rainmaker. I have not either. And John I haven't Grisham. seen the Informant, which is like he speaks very highly of all of those. The Informant. He he does speak highly of the experience of the Informant, but did it not do well or something? Yeah, it did not. Okay. Like, he's like, I don't know if critically it did well. Yeah. But he, I think critically it did okay. But is that like a Gus really Van Zant movie or is it a? I think it might be. Steven Soderbergh. Soderbergh. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's, that's right. He's buddies with Soderbergh yeah. again and again and again. Yeah. Yeah. So the idea with this Stillwater is that in elevator premise, it would appear to be a Liam Neeson taken ripoff, but it's actually not that at all. No. He is trying to rescue his daughter from certain danger, and he's just a man uh, left to his devices, a seemingly regular guy with nothing left to lose. But it's a character it's, study and it's not like a, it, an ass-kicking movie. It's a lot more to do, I think, with like the, the cultural differences of like, you know, this roughneck going to Paris 
Yeah. And just kind of being like, like unapologetically American. <laughs> right. <laughs> While also trying to break his American daughter out of prison. Not break her out, but I don't know if whatever. Hanks is the right, is the right uh, comparison. He's maybe not Probably as, not, but... he's not as dreamy as Clooney, but he's actually having the career that Clooney for some reason didn't have. Like Clooney's yeah. actually had like a lot of stinkers and some of the stinkers are box office stinkers and some of them are actually just not very good movies. He has made good movies that nobody went to see, but he's absolutely not as bankable as you'd expect him to be. But Matt Damon actually kind of is. It's true. I wonder if someone would say, I don't think anyone would ever say, don't put George Clooney in a movie. No. I think like any studio is going to go like, yeah, we'll take it. Yeah. But yeah, I think a bit more of a home run is Matt Damon. And by the way, there's like also starting to be some talk about The Last Duel, which is exciting because it's his screenwriting reunion with Ben Affleck. Yeah. But they also wrote it with Nicole Hall of Center. Mm-hmm. And I think people are just, if we if we zero in too much on this like being Goodwill Hunting 2.0, people are going to be so disappointed. Totally. I kind of think that like, like the closest thing to Goodwill Hunting 2.0, not actually, but kind <laughs> School of School of Rock with cool Mike rock. White. Uh, no, The Town. Oh, okay. In the sense of it's just like a Boston story. He's playing a Boston guy. But an action movie. An action movie, but it's kind of funny. But apparently, yeah. Goodwill Hunting was originally meant to be like a little bit more like born identity, I guess. Like it had all kinds their, of different variations, yeah. some of which Rob were Reiner ludicrous. Took, turned them off to it. Yeah. yeah. Like, the, actually, all this emotional stuff is really good. Oh, yeah. I know. Imagine. And they had to add the Robin Williams character just to give the movie some right. like focus so that it actually right. meant something. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay, what do we got here? So this uh, this Beatles documentary is on its way, this four-part show. I don't know when oh. that's coming, but Disney Plus has been uh, feeding me this Rick Rubin, Paul McCartney documentary. Okay. So there's actually two Paul McCartney-centric documentaries out this year. Okay. And so I have a list of... What and these are only movies I've seen, so there are more examples of this. Um, but a list of some great Beatles needle drops in films. Okay. Um, Social Network, Baby or a Rich Man over the credits. It's okay. a really good like punctuation on the whole movie. Um, All you need is love and love actually very corny but kind of humorous. Hey Jude in the opening credits of Royal Tenenbaums. Oh, interesting. I see. I haven't seen that movie more than once, so I got to... I... Really? I, I'm due for a rewatch on that. Oh, it's excellent. Yeah. Like, the opening credits I, are phenomenal. I remember liking it a yeah. lot. Like, I think it might be my favorite Wes Anderson movie, but yeah. I've only seen it once, one time. It's a bummer, low-key. They say yeah, but how- it's also, the, it, the dialogue's so funny in it. Yes. Yeah. Your mother was a terribly attractive woman. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> the whole opening sequence with uh, Alec Baldwin narrating and telling you about the family is a perfect little short film, and it's all done over Hey Jude. And gotcha. so that's really okay. good. Uh, I saw her standing there in Rain Man um, yesterday and yesterday. Significant. I don't know if that counts because it's like obviously a Beatles movie. And Twist and Show from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, I think that's the most iconic. Yeah. But that's not even their original song, is it? No, it's not. It's like but, a cover. But it is. Yeah. I mean, obviously their version is the most famous. And I would argue one of the great rock vocals of all time. You could say that for sure about. That was, that was John Lennon, right? Yeah. I was having a conversation this Can't weekend. Can you hear it in your head? We'll yeah, shake it oh, up, yeah. baby, now the way he He's says just it. like really yeah. like going all out with oh, yeah. vocals. Um, I was having a conversation this past weekend with someone who said that they weren't a Beatles fan. And wow. I was like, well, you have to be. And they said yeah. no. And then I went through the list. And sure enough, they really were not connecting with like any of the songs I was yep. saying. Like they were like, no, I know it. I, I don't like it. Right. I don't like it. I was going through like the essentials list. It seemed like for the most part, uh, Lennon was kind of like the, the one that they would like come together was like one of their, their favorites. Okay. And then like the weird thing was like, I like yellow submarine. All like, right. Why do you like yellow submarine? Just cause it's catchy, I guess. Yeah. And it's kind of a ditty. It's more of a Ringo joint. That's a Ringo joint. What about like the George Harrison songs, like Something or Here Comes the Sun? People love Here Comes the Sun. That's a good point. I don't think Something's an incredible song. Yeah, that's like beautiful. it might be. Yeah, one of the best. Yeah. Um, but I don't. I think I went through these as well. 
but I do feel like I missed missed an opportunity to really hone in on on the George Harrison songs. You know what? I get it. Like, I mean, I do think it's a bit of a strong take to just write off the Beatles across the board because they were so diverse. But like, mm-hmm. I'm never putting on the title track from Sgt. Pepper's. Like, like some of these songs are not jams, and then some of them are, are only jams, but like in a very jingly kind of way. And I know that they were influential pop music wise and culturally. Yeah. But I wasn't around to really witness what it was like before them, and so I can't truly appreciate, no right. matter how much you know, Mark Ronson or Jack Antonoff try to convey that they get why it was tectonic. Right. I don't think any of us in our generation can really understand why And I Love Her or Please Please Me is really right. so significant. I'm not going to put it on. Totally. It's it's the same as like, like I mentioned that time when we watched those old movies that like invented the tropes and you're like, uh, cool. That must be appreciated for this reason. That's how it's I felt just... about Citizen Kane. Like right. incredibly the way they structured that film has been ripped off so much in other things I saw first that I, I could see why it was good, but not in an authentic way. Right. Only kind of artificially. Right. But like paperback writer, why is that a song? Yeah. What a weird, what song. a weird thing to write a song about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, but they did okay. The Beatles were very successful. <laughs> the Beatles were a very That's what we call trying to fill a fill a void. No, the Beatles silence. were the the Beatles definitely had something. They had something. They had that sound you were looking for, Marvin. That's right. Okay, can we talk about can we talk about Jeopardy? Do we talk about Jeopardy too much on this podcast? No, I don't think so. I don't. Th- I think what you're about to say is it needs to be talked about. I mean, it needs to be talked about. It's a, it's the juiciest story maybe of the week. So you lead then. So my understanding is the ringer. Well, the, first of all, you I, know about the ringer piece. I, yeah, I know about the ringer piece. Oh, this is great. Okay. So the ringer. I, I think it. Mu- my thought was it must have been written by the reporter on the ringer who actually wrote the book about Jeopardy. But yeah. I'm not positive about that. Um. Anyways, bit of a telling piece about how Mike Richards. Um, although I I feel like the, the key line to focus in on was like a smile with sharp teeth. Yeah. Vicious, eh? And Ken Jennings has since spoken out. I read in like a vulture piece where he wasn't like, he's pretty diplomatic. Obviously I'm pretty upset about this, but I'm like with the show as long as they want. But it was really just the reporters doing all this like digging of like, and actually he, uh, yeah, kind of like did force his way in there. It is what you thought. That's right. And and by the way, since we did our last podcast, it was confirmed that Mike Richards is going to take over hosting Jeopardy. Mm-hmm. It was very oddly uh, announced as like a dual hosting job between him and Maya Bialik. Yeah, which like she's only doing primetime specials. It's clearly once, just like... damage control because he was immediately having uh, a controversy. Like he was right. being accused of sexual impropriety in the workplace and so they're like well we're also gonna have to throw Maya Bialik in here just to soften this but no make no mistake Mike Richards currently has the job of Jeopardy host at 730 weeknights and we learned that Alex Trebek in his like final days gave Ken Jennings like had a heart-to-heart with Ken Jennings and gave him a pair of his cufflinks I, I can't believe you know about this that was my big scoop yeah is is that yeah like he two days before Alex died he called uh Ken to set up a meeting, yeah. and then he bequeathed a pair of show cufflinks to Ken, right? Because he believed it was Ken's job to lose. I mean, I just think it's gonna with those articles. It's only well, actually, I don't know what kind of guy Mike Richards is. Like, will he step down or will he be like, "It is mine"? So, see. apparently, when he hosted for that week. Mm-hmm. What happened was, and you remember me saying at the time that he was like surprisingly good, but really he had to fill in last minute because there was an emergency and Ken couldn't be available. Right. Turns out it wasn't an emergency and they could have moved some stuff around. Right. But he really shoehorned his way in there. He insisted on doing it. It was inflexible. And then he went on TV and he's like, this is all that we could do. I had to come on TV. And so he really wanted to be on camera from jump. And then they kind of created this whole charade where, by the way, like most of those people who hosted the show in the interim. We're never going to get the job and probably didn't want it. Right. Um, but it does kind of seem like a rigmarole now that it was just the boss's job like ever since the beginning. Yeah. Uh, and it's come out now that like when he worked at The Price is Right, he he called, he like commented on like the models 
weight. He ca- called them overweight. He called somebody a booth slut. Right. I don't even know what that means. They had to like but settle out of yeah. court or something. I don't know what a booth slut is, but it sounds like a horrible thing to call someone. I know. That's that's what they used to call me in my voiceover days. <laughs> Listen, booth slut. Get in there and say the lines. <laughs> Well, I wish you were hosting Jeopardy because it's and, and by the way, Magic. it kind of seems like this is not you built to last. You could host Jeopardy. Thanks, bud. You'd be a great host of Jeopardy. Yeah. Why didn't they c- call you? What if they just called somebody up from the miners, like like the big time miners? This is a show. Yeah. Or this is a movie. Yeah. I mean, that's what happened to Conan. This is almost like a Queen's Gambit kind of like limited series. <laughs> Queen's theory. Gambit of hosting limited series, <laughs> where it's like, like. Sweets was clearly the one who was always going to be the best. Yeah. He found out there was an opening and he started uh like basically what you started doing was you started going to this pub and hosting your Trivia own nights. form of Jeopardy. Yeah. And you were live streaming them and it was gaining more and more of a following. And the evil executive producer, meanwhile, <laughs> is like no, no 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 don't 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 worry about them. I'm telling you, I'm the professional here. And meanwhile, the kind of like geeky pro who's like won all this money mm-hmm. is like at first enemies with you, mm-hmm. but then he grows to really kind of respect your hustle. Yeah. And also you kind of go toe to toe with each other in some way. And then he kind of adopts you as the champion because something happens to him. He wants right. to like move in. They end up basically making him like the general manager of Jeopardy. What okay. happens is the evil host slash producer Mm -hmm. ends up getting kicked off actually right and (laughs) right and so ken jennings is happy to fill that role Uh fill his pocket ken jennings will play himself (laughs) sorry i I meant to say jeopardy pro right not bring (laughs) ken jennings into it but if he wanted to take the role i'm sure we could have some meetings about that jen kennings yeah (laughs) maybe he's played by a female person yeah jen kennings um anyways i think that's got legs it does have legs i think you just showed that it you just exercised those legs I wanted to do this thing early on the show where we actually take some ideas, like where we kind of like spin a new show every week. Yeah, that's that's my show. Just for this like week. loom out something incredibly bizarre from a random thought. Yeah, and see if it's actually a good idea. Maybe I'll By try way, to do that more often. Like everything is a good idea if it's written properly. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's where we might run into trouble. Oh. Yeah, Conceptually, yeah, right. I'm I'm good. I'm good from a helicopter view. Well, hang on a second. Would this character, uh, in his Cinderella storydom, would he require the support of the fan base? Is that what ultimately puts him over or her over the edge? Like, yeah, clearly I, it's what the fans want. Because my my issue with that is that is that they wanted Levar Burton too. But I yeah. feel like everyone made their peace with the fact that Levar Burton wasn't the right choice. Well. I guess those who actually saw it in the first place, it was a his week of hosting Jeopardy was a ratings low for 2021. Yeah, which just proves what I've been telling you, which is that this is all all this noise is just online trumpeting. These people were never going to watch the show; they just decided what it has to be. Mm-hmm. The same way we decided it has to be Idris Elba who plays James Bond next, mm-hmm. and they actually don't have a horse in this race at all. They just want to be loud. Yeah, what a weird way to be. Yeah. <laughs> we can punctuate that on the end of every podcast. <laughs> what a weird way what to be. What a weird way to be. Never trust Will Smith. <laughs> uh, that's all I had to say about uh, about Jeopardy. Never Have I Ever has been renewed for season three. Yep, easy. That's good. Uh, Christina Applegate has multiple sclerosis. Oh, yeah, that's heartbreaking. That's terrible. Selma Blair in remission from her multiple sclerosis, which I didn't think you could be. You could be in remission? Yeah. Huh. It's a little bad news, good news there. All right. Anthony Mackie has closed a deal to star in Captain America 4, which it seems like he's got the TV show. and I, I, It had a lot of eyeballs, mm-hmm. but like, shouldn't we get away from adding installments? To, I mean, w- with like Thor, Taika Waititi, and like sequels as the main exception, shouldn't we like stop stacking blocks on top of these characters who've already had their trilogies? Just tell that to the money they're making. Yeah, I guess. But but what kind of money are they making here in this post-COVID world? Like, I think they're doing okay. Well, sure. I mean, I'm sure Black Widow sold a lot of premium packages at home and and theater tickets as well. But it's never going to be Endgame again. Gotta feed baby Cosmo. Cosmo, that's right. Yeah, Scarlet and, and Colin Jost have a baby named Cosmo. Do we think that's real? Sure. I kind of think that his name is Cosmo Bart might be a joke. I think that the two of them 
while I generally like both of them, are so divorced from reality <laughs> that that is for sure what they would do. Right. Did you like how on his Instagram post he said, uh, you can talk any questions, uh, message my manager at Shay Thanks. Oh, okay. That's yeah. that's good. No, I'm not on, on Instagram anymore. Or not. I haven't been for about a year, but it, the profile still exists. And okay. so uh, every like two weeks, I'll think to log in on a PC because yeah. I don't have the app anymore. Gotcha. And that's when I'll see your inbox from two weeks ago. And oh. I'll go, ha ha. I, yeah, I actually want to kind of divorce myself from Instagram a little bit more. Yeah. I find myself just blindly picking it up and clicking the app. That was my problem. It, yeah. it wasn't even that it was feeding me toxicity because Twitter does that and I didn't leave Twitter. Yeah. It was, I had this weird habit to open it every 45 seconds. Yeah. It was this weird reflex that it was annoying me. And then I'd see the same Rolex or the same Scottish castle mm -hmm. or the same, I don't know, birthday cake or something. <laughs> Birth birthday cakes are a thing you're into? No, but I follow my wife's birthday cakes, oh, and then, gotcha. then it's like, oh, you like birthday cakes? Right. Here's a oh, billion we'll birthday, birthday cake. cakes. Yeah, that's the other thing. It's like YouTube. The algorithm has no chill. You can't watch like what I've been watching this uh, YouTube channel, which is Great Art Explained, okay. in, in 15 minutes. So it'll give you 15 minutes on like what matters about Mona Lisa. Like why right. is that painting actually significant? Um, and so now it's just giving me so much culture and, and like art and like yeah. I don't need all this scholasticism. I just wanted to watch this one TEDx channel. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my YouTube, like now that I have the smart TV, my YouTube binges, sometimes I'll just, whoa, speed wow, racer. Cool I motorcycle. That must have been the Bourne identity himself. It was Jason Bourne. Um, the, uh, the things that I'm realizing I'm looking at are very strange. It'll be like, like, a Hot Ones episode, shoe shopping, like, complex, like... Oh, the complex sneaker channel? Yeah. yeah. Uh, a random Hodinky thing, and then it'll be like, John Mayer explains how to play this lick. Man, and you then, and I have the same YouTube algorithm. These <laughs> yeah. are all the same things. And I'm not even a sneakerhead, but I get a lot of complex videos. Do you? Well, because I watched Sean Evans do one. Right. And then I watched uh, Michael Che do one or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you kind of go down a rabbit hole that way. Yep. Um, anyways, I'm happy that those are my... Because honestly, they're recommending stuff that I will watch. Yeah, they got your number. Mm -hmm. They understand. Mm -hmm. We seem like we're talking about Wes Anderson more often than we used to. Like, it seems like every episode now, some kind of Wes Anderson comes up. Yeah. Um, so I will say that the cast is slowly being announced for his next movie, which, by the way, is not The French Dispatch, which has not been released wide yet. So we're already, because he made this movie like three years ago and has been waiting to release it, he's already gearing up to do his next big superstar-laden ensemble piece. And uh, it's going to star Scarlett Johansson. Adrian Brody, no surprise. Tilda Swinton, no surprise. Margot Robbie. That's a new one. Tom Hanks. That's a very new one. And Bill Murray, unsurprisingly. Right. Yeah. Huh. So that's a good cast. What's that about? Do we know? don't know. We don't know a thing. Hmm. No. Hmm. That'll be neat. Want to talk about shows? Uh, Yeah. I was trying to think if there's anything else that I It seemed have. like there should be, right? Two weeks? It does. Yeah. I must have watched something else. I know. I haven't been watching any films. That's kind of why I wanted to watch Born Identity. I was like, I haven't watched a new movie in two weeks, which is uncharacteristic, so I just oh, opened up Crave. I'm so happy. Yes! Let's talk about Kid, Kid Detective. Detective. Yes! Yeah. All right, you know what? Here Detective. in our spoilers. You should have seen Kid Detective by now. You gotta watch it if you haven't. I think even with this, it's still a good movie. By the way, like, funny, dark comedy, and I knew it was gonna be a dark comedy. I just had no idea how dark it was gonna be. In, like, kind of a weird, like last 10 minute twist yeah where like a crazy twist happens life has got together and he's kind of almost left emotionally shattered so the premise is this guy used to be a kid detective a la the hardy boys or encyclopedia brown yeah. Which it's funny because the movie exists in a world where that's a, a trope that like a lot of kids are and mm. of course that's not true it's right. only a fictional archetype but he, you know, found the missing retainer or something when he was 13 and he decided to make that a career. Right. And now he's 40 or something. He's Adam Brody's like in his late 30s and it's not working out so well. Plus hanging over his head is this sadness that his friend when he was a kid, this girl who is his peer got she just went missing. Right. And she was never found. Right. And so that he's never solved that mystery is really kind of his white whale and it's why ultimately he can't 
grow up right. and it's why he can't retire from his gig. Yeah. So he's very sad. He just like smokes weed and he has no respect. And doesn't have any money. And is oh, basically like trying yeah. to mooch off. He's such a, he's, he's very dumpy. Um, and then this high school girl walks into his office and she's like, I want to hire you for a case. And he's like, what is it? And she says, uh, somebody murdered my boyfriend. Yeah. And so that sounds like a pretty noble and, uh, uh, ambitious undertaking and so he decides to and then then you have like a very traditional plot heavy uh mystery mm-hmm. like detective movie where they're like going around together like putting clues together f- yeah following dead ends meeting different people they're, they're kind of living in a world like where you know they go into the school and they're like did i just hear something and she, what did she say she's like oh those are the uh the the, the over overnighters the or overnighters. something. Yeah. And it's like, what are overnighters? And it's like, oh, it's kids who just like live in the school <laughs> when the school's out. Yeah. And they're like skateboarding around and stuff. Uh, so yeah, they kind of build this world where like people like that and things like that exist, but aren't necessarily uh, normal in any other right kind of reality. Do we spoil this movie? Uh, I think we can. Okay. Fast forward like yeah. two minutes. Just go ahead two minutes. Yeah. Maybe five minutes. I forget exactly what trail of evidence leads him here, but the the friendly, he finds himself in the home of the friendly principal of the high school who has yeah. always been fairly kind to him. You know what, what leads him there? So the movie starts out with him being beat up by this guy. Yeah. And he's like, he's just pissed because right. like, I found out that he stole the, the like charity fund that, the school was like years ago year. there's always been a oh, grudge yeah, between like, these two in like elementary yeah um and then the bartender i think goes like dude he wasn't the one who did it no. that's why he hates you like it, right. w- it wasn't him it was an inside job the school did it yeah and yeah. he realizes that oh shit the only other person that it could have been was the principal right it was like the principal like listened to me um and like kind of like he always kind of had my back and stuff. Anyways, he goes to confront the principal about it. So he finds himself alone in the principal's house and he finds uh, illicit photos of this young girl yeah. who hired him. Yeah. And so why are these photos in the guy's house? That's very sketchy. Right. And it, and it, well, it's, it's the, it's the photos of the, girl, the girl naked with the tiger mask on. And it actually wasn't that girl. Right. He thought it, might have been that girl. Yeah, okay, yeah. you're right. Anyway, the principal did in fact kill the boyfriend and w- the big t- the big twist is why he did it. Yeah. He did it to protect this girl who in fact hired kid detective and it's quite the reveal that it's technically the daughter he fathered with the girl he kidnapped yeah, 15 years earlier who was Adam Brody's friend. That's right. And so he like realizes the jig is up stabs himself just kills himself in in, right in front of adam brody it's very gruesome and obviously like that and he kind of like he like f- kind of has like a miniature freak out and just like goes to the fridge and opens a beer and walks outside outside he realizes there's a shed he sees a shed and it's room and he's like oh and he, you you see it coming from a mile away at this point him walking over to the shed you kind of do opening up yeah and sure enough the girl's inside yeah he opens the fridge and there's like all these like soda pop bottles yes and then he and he goes into the into the shed and first you see all of these soda pop bottle wrappers everywhere yeah yeah Yeah. like he's like basically kept her as like a child Ugh. it's it's brutally dark and then the movie ends like he finally has like respect and he's become like like his parents come over to be like how are you like because there's there's other parent scenes where they're like oh my god you're such a like waste of not really total loser yeah like get it together man yeah and so not only does he solve the mystery of the murdered kid he also rescues this girl who's been missing for so many years he's a huge like world-class hero he's a hero people are saying hi to him on the street people respect again. him he has everything he ever wanted his house is clean again his parents come over to see him and he just starts to cry they ask him how he's doing and he just breaks down crying. yeah and why is that because he's because he has no friends because he like wasted his whole life trying to like chase this goal yeah i don't know if it's like when he finally got what he wanted it was like extremely troubling 
Yes, I think that's true. Like, yeah. to, in order to to achieve his dream, to to get his satisfaction, he had to experience this terror, awful trauma. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think yeah, I think that's I think that pretty much sums it up. It's so good, but it's, it's like what, really yeah, good. What an original, yeah, idea. I'm so glad you watched it. Yeah, I was stoked too. Let's talk about shows. All right. Uh, do you want to go first? You can pick. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, let's. Do Mr. Corman? Okay. You recap the first episode of Mr. Corman on Apple TV. This is Joseph Gordon-Levitt's new series that he wrote, directed, and starred in. Yeah. The pilot episode in three, two, one, go. I'm going to call him Mr. Corman. He's, uh, it starts out with him kind of, uh, kind of zoning out and just drumming on his chest in the shower. He goes to school. He teaches school. He, uh, he comes back wants to do something he's kind of living the same day over and over again wants to go out maybe meet some girls and then he kind of goes out meets a girl they make out and go back to his to her apartment and they have a huge fight because like neither of them really have their lives figured out and they they get into an argument and he goes yeah i think the the consistent theme for mr corman throughout the first episode is that he's putting himself in positions that he thinks he's supposed to be in, right? Like yeah, 100%. He, he doesn't necessarily want to go to bars to meet girls. No. But he doesn't want to stay home and play video games either. He's scared that he's like not seizing the day. He's not like where he should be. Right, but he's also not happy doing these other things. Right. And so and this is also true in uh his problems with intimacy as well. Like yeah. it's he tries to have sex with this girl and he can't. Right. And then he's it's kind of implied that this has happened many times. Right. And by the way, she is unbearable in this scene yeah you they meet at the bar and like she's like you kind it's kind of like a, a sinusoidal wave of like how the yeah. the conversation's going it's like she's hot and cold man she's very confrontational yeah yeah she's like i hate you and oh your teacher i love you again let's right and so you're like is she gonna be like a mainstay in the show it's hard to say and then they go back to the apartment, and she's got this like annoying yappy dog. And at this point, you go, "Yeah, they're probably not gonna be together." No. Um, and she puts on this like kind of like trap rap music on to, her like, phone. It doesn't. It's it does not set a mood. No. And he's extremely frustrated. They start hooking up, and it's like not. It's it's pretty awkward. And then they fight because he can't perform. Well, she. They don't just fight. Like she's downright cruel to him she just keeps saying like what's wrong with you yeah right like this she's never happened to me and then she like tries to be like no this is cool we can just hang out and he's like uh no i should just go and she's like oh well just because we we're not going to do it now right you're bail um which i thought was kind of overkill too like he's, yeah he's, you, you embarrassed him and now right. he wants to go home and then they both go at each other extremely hard oh her. yeah she's like you're a loser like yeah. all those things about Teachers, like teachers basically just have given up on like what they actually want to do. And we came here in your shitty car. Yeah, yeah. You're mad that I have more money than you. By the way, he has like a 2008 Honda Civic. It's fine. Yeah. It's perfectly good. And uh, I love that she brings up like your like dented car and he's like, that happened today. (laughs) And then uh, he says, uh, when you were young, did you know what it was going to be like? When you grew up, like, I just mean, like, as a younger woman, like, what did it feel like to know that you were going to be alone forever? It's such a sick burn. So, so vicious. And then he, he, he saves just... that one for after she really uh, hits the wrong note with him, too, though, because yeah. earlier in the episode, he ran into this old buddy he used to know from the music scene because it seems like that's the thing he gave up on. It is. is he, yeah. yeah, he wanted to, like, be playing music and he doesn't do it anymore. Um, and she says directly, like, teachers are people who gave up on the thing they really wanted to do. And so, obviously, that's right. what sent him over Struck the edge. The cord. Yeah. Um, yeah. First episode, kind of kind of good. You can, like... Sure. You can glean a little bit what the rest of the show is going to be. I don't know if you saw the second episode. No, I haven't seen it yet. It It's a lot... The first episode's a lot more depressing than I expected it to be. Dude, the second episode is even worse. Okay. And I started to ask myself in the second episode... So it's hard on an S scale. It's hard to say, mm. like, I want to, to like it. And the trailer makes it seem like I will like it. Like, I'll get there. Part but it is just, yeah, like, the second episode's just all about him having panic attacks. Yep. Well, that's good, though. That's good for representation. It you know, is. People uh, yeah. seeing themselves and stuff. And I, like, I related to Mr. Corman a, a bunch of times. Like, like not necessarily in, like, 
specifics, but just in how he's clearly feeling was familiar to me. I think that's I think that's why it, I think it was a bit too real for me. But that's why it's the right, the responsible thing to do, yeah, not to right. go soft. Like it's partly my problem that I kind of thought it was going to be like dealing with what does it all mean, but it's going to be quirky and there's going to be right. hand-drawn spaceships and like it's yeah. going to be like uh, 500 Days of Summer, yeah. right? Where it's like it's like kind of getting at something real, but also it's pretty fucking gentle, right? And it's it's kind if they really want to do this right, the right thing to do is to not be too gentle. Uh-huh. Joseph Gordon-Levitt basically said it would. It's like a show that he wrote about himself if he didn't become what he was. Yeah. Like, he could be that teacher. Like, mm-hmm. he could be that guy. It seems like he's a good teacher. Well, that's the thing. I think that, I don't know if what we're supposed to take away from it is, like, kind of seems like he was in his prime the most when he was in that classroom. Yeah, absolutely. Like, he was at his best. Like, what a great question, by the way, for a, a group of, teachers the fifth grade. Yeah. Uh, a group of 10-year-olds, it just kind of comes up organically. He says, how many of you think you're lucky? Right. And only one kid puts up their hand. Every other kid is like, I'm unlucky. And it's just like a really interesting, thoughtful question yeah. for 10-year-olds. And then, obviously, the leading question from one of the kids is like, you didn't raise your hand either. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of just like hear that. He's like, yeah. Um, but so I guess I give my ass because I do think it's it's a little deeper than I thought it was going to be. It's very thoughtful. But the second episode, I mean, like, it it was good. Yeah. wasn't bad. But it's also not an escape. Sometimes you no. just want to have an escape. It's, yeah, it's not really a hang. Yeah, right. Um, and it's it's notable, too, that it was uh, entirely made in New Zealand Yeah, to get around COVID. Yeah. And that... And he's lived there for, like, two years. Yeah. As a result. He's not in a hurry to leave. Yeah. Um, and that COVID will play a role in the show. Like it's like I, I, I read that it's going to there's going to be an episode somewhere along the season where like the pandemic happens. I think he starts teaching Zoom. Like, I think that's part of the show. That makes sense. Yeah. And also, like, if it's a show about anxiety, like this is a, a very realistic and relatable version of anxiety we might as well address. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. The it's it's funny because the the panic attack episode, like there's like a gong. Yeah. That keeps like pinging mm-hmm. throughout the show or yeah. like bonging i guess throughout the show like anytime he like looks at his phone you'll just hear like okay it's kind of interesting yeah i think it's it's a a tremendous challenge to try and uh illustrate panic attacks well and and all of the like him trying to like explain to friends they're like what's causing it Mm -hmm. and he's just like everything yeah (laughs) yeah do people like tell him to calm down uh, just relax. Just breathe. These useless yes, things. Just breathe is, yeah. is a is a big thing. Yeah, like where he's like on the phone with his insurance company, and he thinks he's having a heart attack. Oh, he's being coached through a panic attack by somebody from the insurance company. Not even really being coached as much as like kind of, um, kind of like spoken down to and being Ugh. like, "We need your birthday." Yeah, and he's just like, "I don't, I don't know why you need my birthday." Wow. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, I think it's I think it's very different for for a lot of people. I've heard other people describe their panic attacks as like incredibly physical. Mm-hmm. Um, and anytime I felt panic in the past, that was like overwhelming and crippling. It wasn't necessarily physical, but then like in the last few months, if I if I feel myself like in in like a really like stallingly panicked state, it has gotten more physical. It's more more like chesty. Gotcha. And uh, a little tunnel visiony. Hmm. That's very upsetting. Oh yeah, I bet. Yeah. Yeah, it happened to me on the radio one time. That was really? the worst. That was the worst time ever. Did I ever tell you about that? You might have. Yeah. Uh, what was it that? It was, it was a number of years ago now, and it was it, it it matters also that it was induced by the worst bout of insomnia I've ever had. Oh, I think which I did was hear about this. in 2016 yeah. in the summer. Yeah. Um, and it was just like I was just going on the radio without having slept in like four days in a row. Yeah. Um. And then it was like six o'clock and six o'clock, like my day's almost over. Like mm-hmm. I should have been unwinding and relaxing. Mm-hmm. And at six o'clock, for some reason, I just like, I, I could not put a sentence together to go on the radio. And then I had to, and it was horrible. Yeah. The worst feeling I ever had in my life. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can um, relate to having to in the moment, like be on and speak and like need to almost kind of like rely on something. I think that's why you use scripts. Yes, absolutely. You're so yeah. Like, the concern is that you're gonna not know what you're talking about. Whereas yeah. I'm sure, like you do on the show, you always get it together. 
Yeah, and I'm really good at faking it too. Yeah. Like any time that I've been like really nervous to have to talk in front of people, mm-hmm. people are always like, they always tell me like how natural I look. Right. Uh, and inside I'm like dying. And it's funny because insomnia too, I think like you've mentioned this before, that is is almost kind of like panic attacks where you brought up like, oh, d- do people try to tell him to calm down? It's like how people try to tell you yeah. like, oh, well, have you tried this for You should sleep? just smoke weed. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, I haven't thought of everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah, over that four days. It's, yeah, it's absolutely very frustrating. And it's also like panic attacks in that it's partially induced by the psychology of it. Like, I don't know if this is exactly true for everybody, but there's there's a saying and I'd paraphrase it, but it's essentially that your first panic attack happens for whatever reason, and that every other panic attack happens out of a fear of having that panic attack again. Oh, no way. And, and for sure, that's why insomnia comes in pockets, right. because you know how important it is that you finally get a good sleep tonight. Right. And that's the reason you don't get a good sleep tonight. Right. Yes. That really sucks. You've been better with it lately, though, haven't you? <laughs> the sleeping has been better. I am prescribed a thing that helps, and I am very I am very sparing with my usage of it because I have a lot of oh, pride. Yeah. Right. I have this whole thing where like, I really feel like sleep is a human right, and so, yeah. <laughs> and so I want to come by it naturally as nice. often as possible. Yeah, yeah. But it's comforting to know it's there. Yeah. So it's like I will definitely sleep tonight if I put that thing in my mouth, and right. um, I just won't most of the time. Mm. Unless I have to do morning radio, like out of out of nowhere, if I have, if so I even strangely just, have to get up at four o'clock. Yeah, just morning. knowing that you've got that fix brings a little comfort. Yeah. Yeah. Another nice. thing that brings comfort for me, and I don't remember, maybe it was my mom who told me this when I was in a really bad spell of it, um, is the knowledge that while you lie there awake, you are resting more than you realize. Yeah. And in having done like spells where I wasn't sleeping. I can say anecdotally that is for sure true because right. I should not have been as functional as I was. Right. Maybe I should have taken, you know, a, a drive to work from somebody or, or sure. not gone on the radio. But I, I should have been like, you know, seeing spots and I wasn't right. because I was lying down for eight hours yeah. every night. Yeah. If you're still like if you're trying to nap. Yeah. It's still probably better than not. I think napping so. At all. I think so. Anyway, I do give Mr. Corman my S. I yeah. didn't have a, a blast, but um, maybe that was because of my own expectations. Maybe it'll get, I see the second half probably picking up. I hope. I hope so. It's yeah. not getting a lot of attention. No, it's not. How long has it been out for? I don't know. Is it doing a weekly release like Ted Lasso? Uh, Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. All right. All right, next show. Next show. Uh, do you want to put me on the clock or I can... I shall put you Reservation on the Dogs. How do I uh, describe the pedigree of this show? It is uh, co-created by Taika Waititi. Yeah. I don't know the name of the other gentleman. He's the famous one. Um, and otherwise, there's like some recognizable character actors in it, but mostly uh, mostly a, a, a clean slate. Yeah. Fresh faces. Yeah. I think you're nailing it. Okay. Okay. So you're going to recap Reservation Dogs in three, two, one. Oh boy, there's actually not a whole lot of story here, except for that there's like four young people, probably like late teenagers, uh, living on the reservation and not really knowing what they're going to do with their lives. They kind of feel trapped by their insular world, and so they do like petty crime. Actually, not really. The first crime we see them commit is stealing a huge food truck. And so like they're getting up to nonsense. Essentially, they're aspiring gangsters. They want to be like more... Uh, fearsome criminals and there is another rival gang um, and the episode ends I guess my time ran out yeah with them basically taking on the mantle of being reservation dogs that's kind of like the moniker they've picked up colloquially right and so it's all in pursuit of getting out it's all in pursuit of getting out yeah I don't think that they necessarily want to be bigger gangsters I think there's a lot of like guilt around when they they steal the chip truck and they bring right. it to the junkyard to get money for um and they, it shows all these other kind of like crimes that they've committed which <laughs> included like like stealing steaks it was almost like right. in um uh what was it wild uh the the taika watiti movie with um oh yeah uh, the hunt for the wilder people yeah where yeah. it's like he's been charged with Biting things, jumping on things. <laughs> it was kind of like that, but a little more serious. The cut was a little bit like that, for yeah. sure. Yeah, where it's like, uh, yeah, the, the you know the uh, the the native like like uh, police officer comes in, and he's like, yeah, you know, 
crazy stuff happening lately. Like copper wires, wires being stolen out of every like light and it cuts to that. And it's yeah. like, actually an old lady's like glaucoma edible gummies were stolen. <laughs> it shows them freaking out. Like taking them. Yeah. yeah. Um, stuff like that. And, and so they're, they're trying to make money that way by basically, yeah, just like ripping people off and right. stealing stuff and stealing steaks. <laughs> but ultimately they're, they're pretty harmless. They, they're just trying to occupy themselves because they have boring lives and they don't have a lot of money. Yeah. But also the reservation I think gets them, gets them really down too. like yes. they, the, the whole kind of factor of it was their friend died because they say he was like trapped in this place. Um, do they outwardly say that he took his own life? Is that the idea? Um, I'm not even sure. Because it is referenced that depression has... Uh, um, Affects one in five males. Uh, yes, Native American Native, males. Native males. Yeah. Um, and and so like that is obviously a factor. Mm. Um, I don't know how to characterize the show tonally. Like it's, it's definitely a comedy. Yeah. It was uh, actually like pretty funny. Definitely. Very funny. Yeah. Um, Great and soundtrack. I, th- I think everything Taika does is a comedy but because that's such a broad category he tends to play around in every reach of it yeah. the way many other comedy creators don't like right. his stuff other than that like cut that you just that smash cut you just referenced like his stuff doesn't necessarily look like his stuff the hunt for the wilder right. people or jojo rabbit or right. thor ragnarok yeah. or uh the the vampire one like the stuff is like really broad and right. and this seems to be like quite socially conscious right the dialogue can be a little like when when they get shot with the paintball guns yeah. and he kind of like goes on that like unconscious thing where the the uh the uh uh the indigenous person comes up on the horse with his shirt off and he's right. like i he says like i'm uh they're like are you like s- sitting uh, and he's like no 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 one that cool <laughs> 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 but but he's like the ghost of someone who died at the Battle of Little Bighorn. Yeah, he's like, ah, because of this shit horse. <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> and then the horse just like lies down. Oh, boy, he's like, ah, fuck. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. I, I, I haven't seen uh, Reservoir Dogs, but I mean, obviously the title Reservation Dogs seems to refer to that. Yeah. Re- uh, other re- than that, there's like a poster in his room and that at one point they wear suits for the funeral. Like, and they're, and they're criminals. Yeah. What's the through line? uh, Specifically, Reservoir Dogs is all about them performing heists. Yes. But mainly like one bank heist. They actually kind of nailed that scene where they're like walking around the corner like in slow Yeah, I knew that had to be a nod. Yeah. But the movie has other, or the show has other movie nods like the paintball drive-by right is apparently like i mean i did recognize it from tropic thunder wherein it was a platoon reference yeah, and so okay, this yeah. is kind of doing both of those things right. i guess and so i think maybe this this show is going to be rife with movie references which is cool yeah i think so too yeah the the rest of our dogs is pretty awesome by the way you should watch it okay i think you'd like it all right um i think you would like parts of it <laughs> i mean there's, you mean it gets brutal at yeah, times there's, there's a couple of brutal scenes yeah but um but fan of it. Yeah, I was too. I thought it was cool. Hard to find for us. Yeah, you struggled yeah. with it. Yeah. It uh it was good. I I don't know what to say. I just I thought it was fine. Um do you give it your S? Yeah, I do. Okay. No, I do. I thought it was better than fine for sure. Yeah. I just don't know how to feel about it. Maybe I need to watch another one. It was kind of sad. Kind of like Mr. Corman. Like this show is like funny and and the characters are good, but like also I'm kind of bummed out by this. I know what you mean. I think it was it had a lot more levity for for me. I thought they did it in kind of like a a funnier way, right? But yeah, at at its heart, it's like it's people struggling in the system. <laughs> Not always though. Like like look at uh, Bear's mom, who's like we see her like putting on her makeup and she's singing waterfalls to herself. Oh yeah, and she's I mean, like re- excited to go on a date. She's like looking for a looking for a dude. Like she's actually good in her world. There, well, there's happy moments, but like she's like, we need to find you a new dad. Yeah, which is probably like a traumatic thing to hear. And she like really like he's like I have a dad, and she's like, oh, you have this like washed up like rapper dad. Like sure, dude. like that's a little snarky, and it doesn't please her son. But she's optimistic in saying that. Right. Unlike her kids who right. like all those kids are just like yeah. man this this is a dead zone we right. got to get out yeah yeah i think it was just the between them all they were they were super funny and they they feel the guilt from stealing the chip truck because the 
the truck driver comes in and says like, well, I got fired because, uh, and that never gets resolved. No, nope. he's, he's essentially like, yeah, I got fired. And cause I, apparently I'm responsible for like looking after my truck while on delivery, but <laughs> my wife also left me. And like, oh. the only thing that's in the house now is a thing of sugar. And you know, like I got diabetes <laughs> and they're probably going to take my foot. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they're in the store, and the store owner just says to one of the kids, if you're going to steal something, you just have to let me know so, so I, can I can write, write it off it on the books. Yeah. <laughs> and he, like, picks up yeah. a lollipop. He's like, sure. Go yeah, ahead. Like, he's yeah, clearly easy gonna, as that. I think he might be, like, a good good force in the show that, like, continues to, to be in it. A nitpick I had is that I don't think police officers can have uh, braids. Is that true? I mean, yeah, they shouldn't. That seems like a liability, doesn't it? suppose for the same reason that police officers are supposed to wear clip-on ties like well, like something dangling is going to be it could be weaponized so do you think like female officers with longer hair have to like put their hair up i have no idea but like i think i think that it might be wise hmm. so you just think is like like pro tip look i just don't know if they I, I don't know if that rule exists and i don't know if this show needed to consider that but it's the first thing i thought when i saw that right. cops cool braids yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice yeah so we give it our S. Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, uh, a little, uh, little was, will, 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 will Smith. Uh, oh yeah, his Bad Boys character is going to be in Fortnite. There's going to be a Fortnite skin for Will Smith's Bad Boys character. Wasn't there already a Will Smith Fortnite character? I don't know, man. I kind of thought was. Fortnite was gone. I kind of thought that that like had a really, really big moment three years ago. Yeah, and now, like Ariana Grande has a Fortnite character. So it's still a thing that kids are, are spending a ton of money on. I guess. I guess. Um, yeah, I was trying to think of the, the slogan that we came up earlier that I was going to use instead <laughs> of Never Trust Will Smith that I can't think of. It was of like, what a, what a weird guy, or what a strange way to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a way to be. What a way to be. Uh, yeah, I mean. I don't see what he's done wrong here in the Fortnite thing. This is just business. <laughs> but everything that he does is just business. It's all to get ahead. <laughs> all of a sudden, I'm so level-headed about Will Smith. <laughs> the guy's just trying to make a buck. Look, the guy's a professional. But can't argue with success. <laughs> Never trust Will Smith. Never trust Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs>